Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to our penultimate Clash of the Titles, Clash Clashoween Countdown. The podcast that for the entire month of October pits two horror movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, vampires are such romantic creatures... Or not, as this bunch of grubby bloodsuckers live in a dirty RV and seem intent on jeopardising their immortality at every turn. From 1987, Catherine Bigelow takes us to near dark. While in the blue corner, from grubby vampires to ugly vampires, as George Clooney finds himself drinking in the wrong bar at the wrong time, a favourite of many a teenager, we'll be discussing how it's aged as we talk Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's 1996 From Dusk Till Dawn. Get the hell off my truck! Well, if you go through it, you kill. I'm gonna give you to the count of five. One, two. Yeah. Where's the woman? What? You mean what? The woman, the the host, the fucking hostage. Richard, where is she? She's in there. What the fuck is she doing in there? Richard, what's wrong with you? Before you flip out, okay, let me just explain what happened. Yeah, explain, right? explain to me. I need an explanation. So it's a blood sucker brawl in this week's face off, but which film will be victorious? Let's find out in another Clash of the Titles Clash of In Countdown. Hello, Clash Butters. 
You spilled my drink. Well, why don't you lick it up off the bar, meatball? I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And we're back in the studio. The Hooray! three of us <laughs> yes. reunited once again. Yes. It's our first Clashewing countdown where we're all three here and I can touch Chris. Yeah, I've oh, missed you. I've missed you. Are you going to stick around for both episodes, Vicky? Sure. <laughs> was it all right? Was it weird? No, it was fine. It was fine. It was yeah. fine. It was just a stressful, it was a stressful record and then obviously the technical issues we had post-record Record. Uh, a big thanks again to Nikki for helping and Charlie for helping rescue us because we nearly didn't have a show. Yeah, that's right. I mean, all you missed was me monologuing about me. Uh, so oh, I'm just, I am sad to miss that though. With regular you. service, really. <laughs> um, yeah, no. It was, uh, and, and during it was the verdict, I, I seem to remember just me shouting over and over, at "Alex, pathetic." pathetic. <laughs> oh, what? Which did you Wait. vote for the new one? Yeah, of course I voted. Well, because you're in one. it. No, of course not. Because oh, I'm just in go, it. Just go listen. But I sorry, thought, I should. Uh, just, apologies, yeah. Alex. It yeah. was a bit over the top. Uh, by the time we're recording this, it, but this is released. It's already out. Right. Okay. It's already out. Do you really think the new one's better than I, the old? Uh, 100% do. Wow. And he'll exp- go and listen. He, he explains it. Just I, I fundamentally do believe it's better. I cannot believe we're discussing the technical issues <laughs> and the verdict on a show that went out last week. Sorry. Right. Let's get back to today. So, we are continuing our clashing countdowns to the greatest night of the year with horror clashes to get you in the mood for All Hallows' Eve. So, welcome to part one of Near Dark Versus from Dusk Till Dawn. My choices... This week, by which I mean Chris has been l- chomping at the veritable jugular to do Near Dark for as long as I can remember. I, I heard from someone when I was in Austin saying they love the show, but they really hate Alex's choices. And I thought, oh. sometimes I push them on him, they're not always his. Nice. I mean, and I do intentionally pick horrific movies no, you to don't, do. No, you I don't. mean, Outland and Serenity is one of my high points. House of Wax versus The Relic. Yeah. I mean, these are intentional. Yeah, we've got to mix it up. Yeah, yeah, and I do. Good shows and bad shows. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been wanting to do from Dust Till Dawn, um, uh, Near Dark for ages, and I, I've been wanting to do from Dust Till Dawn for ages. So it's teamwork, it's teamwork. Yeah. Working as a team. The clue I gave on last week's show was a bloody good night out. I followed that up on Twitter. Well, sorry, this is an old script. Chris is back <laughs> in charge of the Twitter clues. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Chris followed that up on Twitter. With what, Chris? A picture of a recreational vehicle. Mm-hmm. I will say, I was going to do it, but he got in there first and we would have done the same clue. So nice. we're, we're, we're singing from the same hymn sheet at the moment. Your guesses were discovered in the crypt that is our Twitter at Clashpod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok at Clashpod with loads of saucy extras and video from the show. Uh, plus, do subscribe to our YouTube channel for some very funny videos from the show, if I do say so myself. Uh, we have an amazing video editor called Chris who's cut together segments of the show with clips from the movies we're talking about. He has done some Brilliant work. So mm. that is our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. Do check it out. All right, then. Congratulations. Ian Robson and Mark Shea, who got the right answer. But well done, John Wright. First correct answer this week. Your prize is obviously tickets to see Santana Co Pandemonium perform at the Titty Twister. And to quote George Clooney, now that's what I call a show. Okay. <laughs> oh, Thursday's going to be so oh, good. She's already going now. She's already She's angry. There's steam <laughs> coming out of her ears. I haven't even talked about it. It's like a cartoon wolf. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yuck. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. I'm so close to just doing Chet Pussy speech right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the whole 
thing. <laughs> the whole thing. You might have to do it because I tried to write it in and I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do the whole thing. Is that why your laptop's broken? Because it's full of vomit. <laughs> 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 Hell of a speech. Hell of a speech. Yeah. Let's do the connection section. RVs. Yeah. Uh, the phrase, how do you like them apples? Is it both? Is it really? Isn't that fun? Got here for dialogue. Uh, mo- <laughs> motel hells. Yep. Uh, bar fights. Yeah, bar Dive bars. Mm. Um, mixing genres, really, because obviously uh, from Dust Till Dawn is a genre splice, but uh, Near Dark is a Western as well as a vampire story. Yeah, sort I, of. I'd argue that they're both horror Western crime hybrids. Yeah. Mm. Light, light coming in through bullet holes, exploding vampires. Mm. Uh, Bartenders asking people to leave. Yep. Good. Happy. That's it. Yep. 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 Quite similar titles. They, yeah, sort of. <laughs> what? Yeah. Near Dark they're... from Dusk Till Dawn. Mm. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, I didn't see that before, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Yes. That'll do. Mm. On Thursday, <laughs> V is definitely going to love from Dusk Till Dawn. I cannot think of a single reason why she wouldn't, which means today Chris is saying, get in the van, <laughs> as we hop aboard his blacked-out dirty RV in Near Dark. Chris, take us on a journey. Near Dark is a classic tale of creepy cowboy meets manic vampire dream girl, <laughs> asks her for a bite, then realises he's joined the Manson family by mistake. It's also a film about the most stupid bloodsuckers on earth. Seriously, why live in the wide open expanse of the Wild West when you need buildings <laughs> and lots of them to take cover when the sun rises? Also, don't these people own watches? One of them's been a vampire for a couple of centuries, yet seems surprised every time dawn breaks. Unbelievable. Somebody get the man an alarm clock! Mm. Uh, then I've got some stuff about it having the same plot as the other Catherine Bigelow film we've done on this podcast, but that gets a bit convoluted, so yada, 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 near dark. Yay! <laughs> But it is stupid fucking vampire. <laughs> it is a lot like Point Break, though. Right, okay, let me mm. think about it. How so? so? It gets attracted by the girl to this gang of sort of yeah. outlaws who yeah. are on the edge of societies and they're sort of counterculture and they make him feel something for the first time. And and then, but he, if, he, if he sticks with them, he's going to be crime and bad and evil yeah, and he's okay. got to pull himself back from the edge. Sure. Except, big difference, one of those movies is good. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Both good. Right, um, so I first saw this in the 90s. Um, it got great reviews. The film magazines loved it. Um, it wasn't a big hit, so I didn't hear of it until I read about it in lists of best vampire movies, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I haven't seen it since because it's been quite hard to get hold of because of various weird rights issues. Alex. Yeah, uh, this is a first watch for me, and I'll be completely honest, this wasn't even on my radar as a movie that I felt I needed to see to complete my movie CV. So until you started going, Near Dark, oh, I wish Near Dark was available, oh, when's Near Dark going to be available, and then your little face when it was available, I was like, (laughs) what a beautiful sight. So um, I was kind of hyped to see this, and then I watched it, and end scene. (laughs) Vicky? Uh, Samesies. Yeah, when I met you, and you talked about it a lot yeah. with always the caveat but you can't watch it because you can't get it and I was like well I won't worry about it then um, and then I did watch it because it was became available for a podcast mm. so this one? yeah not the other one that you do no that no, one no no no, no, no. no 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 right let's do the bit of background great uh, Catherine Bigelow let's start with her she was an artist she was a painter and um, she sort of got interested in filmmaking when she left art school and she made a low-budget film with Willem Dafoe called The Loveless, I think, but it was a meeting at a chap called Eric Red that really got her career going. Uh, They made a deal with each other that they would um, write a couple of scripts, one for him to direct and one from her to direct. Mm. Undertow was his movie. Hers was near dark. 
Hybrid Western, uh, when they were sort of researching, putting a script together, they discovered a skin condition that burnt people in sunlight and they thought, oh, that could inspire a sort of more realistic vampire story. So they sort of came, they, had a, they made a conscious effort to come up with their own vampire lore, get rid of the gothic elements, get rid of the stakes and the crosses and sort of make it quite clean and logical and straightforward. These modern day outlaws, they're gunslingers and they're feeders rather than killers, although... I think that changes over That's the course of this film. so funny. I, I never put two and two together until you just said it out mm. loud, but Eric Red did a draft of an Alien 3 script, ah. which was a space western as well. So the guy has something. Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> He's got a thing. He's like, I like westerns, but... <laughs> yeah, well, it's Walter Hill, though. That's all Walter Hill has mm. done for his whole career. He's put westerns in various different genres. Yep. Um, so uh, it was written on spec so they could control the property and insist that Catherine Bigelow directs the film. Um, she gave it to a producer called Ed Feldman on a Thursday, and by Monday they had a start date because Feldman was so impressed with her visual style and her energy. But they let her prep the movie, but there was a caveat. No, I hate this caveat. Have you heard this no, caveat? No, I haven't. You're gonna... like, I think you're going to like this, Vicky. <laughs> um, she was allowed to shoot for three days, and if it wasn't working after three days, they would take her off the movie. And but replace was... her with a man. Well, yeah, but that's just a numbers game. But, was it so... but it wasn't her first... Oh, shit. So it wasn't even her first film. No, it was the second film. But I, I think it's fair to say her first film wasn't a hit. Still, though, fucking hell, that's a bitter pill, isn't it? You've got three days. Well, it's fine. She smashed it, I guess. Yes, they they said she showed up, she'd done her homework, she'd fully storyboarded the film, she knew what she was doing. She also used the Terminator uh, DP, Adam Greenberg, which was a smart thing to do. She was obviously friends with James Cameron at this time. I don't know if they were together, Mm. but, um, you know, this is all sort of quite incestuous here. But she says he squeezed every last drop from the page, and it does look incredible this film and it was obviously cast really well as well so aliens so interviews at the time she said i'm a big james cameron fan and then there's there's different versions of stories about how all the aliens cast got involved with this because it's straight after aliens um paxton got the script said he liked it called lance henriksen made him read it days later he was in but henriksen wanted to play severin the character that paxton was playing and so Catherine bigelow had to convince him to play jesse which he eventually agreed to. Uh, but Jeanette Goldstein, for example, she said that once she, she, this was the third Aliens cast member she was putting in her film, she said at this point I had to phone up Jim and ask him if it was okay. That's interesting because there is, I think, another version of those sure. events, isn't there, whereby Jim Cameron said basically what's going to make it easy for you on this film is to have built-in chemistry, so why don't you just use yeah. my Aliens cast because they were great on Aliens and they'll be great for you. Yeah. Yep. But this, this, is, this is what she was saying at the time. Mm. Um, but he said he loved the idea of having all of these Aliens people together. And so, as you say, inherited that family, that familiarity, and they sort of quickly bonded and became this family unit that you see in the film. And Michael Bean was also meant to be in it. He got the script, but he didn't like the script, so he said no. So it would have been four. Yes, but I think he might have been Jesse. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, in which yeah. case you wouldn't have got Lance Henriksen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got more behind-the-scenes stuff, but um, I can sort of say that when we get into the movie. But um, they shot nights um, and then partied and then slept all day. And basically, it worked for the movie because they were sort of turning into their characters a little bit. And there's, there is some weird behind-the-scenes stories that I don't like. So <laughs> should we talk about the movie? Yeah. So we start on a mosquito drawing blood and then being killed. Mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What's that, Vicky? Symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think. Yeah. Not subtle. Yeah, it's good, though, because when Caleb meets his mates, you've got them going, listen, I'm not going to feed your habit when they haven't bought him a Brilliant. beer. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, and we get a dreamy tangerine dream score. Yeah. We had a lot of them lately. What was the other thing? The other film we did? Uh, Legend. There yes! Was, there was one of the scores on Legend yeah, Tangerine yeah, yeah. Dream did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we meet our cowboy Caleb, played by Adrian Pazdar, and he wants a bit of May's ice cream cone. Mm. Can I have a bite? He says. <laughs> she says, a bite? Question mark. No, it's good because they're going to become vampires. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So um, that is foreshadowing. Mm. That's correct. <laughs> no, seriously, Chris is right, Vicky. That's what they call <laughs> um, May is played by Jenny Wright, who we last saw shagging a simpleton in Lawnmower Man. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise it was the same woman. Yeah, she's not She's not done a huge amount since. Like her, She was in a lot of stuff in the yeah. 80s and early 90s, and I think she sort of lost interest in acting. Well, but... why do anything after Lawnmower Man? <laughs> Once you've peaked, you've peaked. Yeah. Uh, but she's, I mean, it's a strange performance, isn't it? She's almost like she's a bit, she's either acting like a little girl or she's acting like she's strung out which I th- there's obviously yeah. a drug metaphor well, going on here. Well let's look for a second let's uh, let's get serious for just one second. Sure, sure. She's eating an ice cream. Mm. Later on when Caleb you know he can't get his bus ticket home and he's in the bus station yep. Yep. what does he buy? Chocolate it's a bar. Chocolate bar. Mm. So there are motifs of childishness childhood mm. run through it in order I believe to make the evil uh, thrown into more sh- uh, like sharper relief. Okay, she could be eating anything. She could be drinking a beer. It's meant to be quite phallic or quite alluring, I guess. Mm. Like, so she's acting like a little girl. He could buy anything in the bus station. He could buy a packet of cigarettes. He doesn't. They both have these childish comfort things as well. Like, but he's starving at that point. Isn't yeah, he? but he could. I mean, there could be a vending machine that sold you anything. Also, right, you've basically. thrown a problem at me here, right? Because it's well, go well on. if. He can't eat a chocolate bar because he's a vampire. They yeah. can only drink blood. Oh, yeah. How can she eat an ice cream? And she is enjoying that ice cream. Yeah. Uh, is she, a... she got it in her mouth? <laughs> she's eating an ice cream. She's, she's not doing it. I didn't know that she ate it. I thought she was just like a bait, <laughs> like an anglerfish. That was like the, the glowing bulb to attract Caleb to a, a sort of conversation. Do think... I don't remember seeing yeah, her actually yeah. eat it. Yeah. I cannot think that they let that slip through quality control in a movie this tight. Fair <laughs> um, So she asks Caleb for a lift home. He gives her a ride in his truck. Uh, they stop so she can listen to the night. Spooky lady. She starts yeah. talking about the stars. Yeah. There ain't many girls like me. Sorry, you're looking at me for validation. I don't, I don't normally do impressions. Oh, no, sorry, you I should. I wasn't planning that. Right, no, but it was. I just wanted to make sure. It was, it was good. Oh, Lean into it, know. Chris. If it comes out like that, that's great. Okay, it's all a bit erotically charged. He lassoes her. Um, this is the second film we've seen. What's the first one? And he lassoes her. And we were like, we had a big argument about is it sexy? Is it not? Is it actually fucking terrifying? Like, you're trying to. They are flirting and it seems yes. to be fine. But imagining for real life that you were like, oh, I'm walking away <laughs> and then a massive rope mm. is round you but it's if you're scary a, as I reckon shit. if you're a cowgirl this is like the dream that, yeah we don't live in the wild west that's, the, that's you're right so mm. it would be so out of the blue to oh. get lassoed <laughs> yeah. outside hybrid is the sensation you're absolutely right my mistake you see someone walking with a rope in London it's worrying it's true <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they're having this moment but suddenly she has to get home now because vampires don't have watches right <laughs> right let's do this now what the fuck is this movie's fucking problem about, like, Dawn? How are these vampires so stupid? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's just... This ha- This is the first time it happens, and they have one rule in this. Just one. The movie actually goes out of its way to say crucifixes aren't important. There's a shot later on where there's a crucifix on the handle of a gun, and it doesn't have any effect on them, and it's like, basically, these vampires can only, 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 only be killed by sunlight or exploding trucks, we find out later. Mm. But then, like, repeatedly, they're outrunning Dawn. Yeah repeatedly, again and again. It's insane. 
And they're very ill-prepared as well. Like, I hadn't thought about the point that they live in wide open plains, which is insane. They should live in a crowded city. But later, when, just not to do the end now, but when they're trying to stick foil on the windows, yes. it's, like they've never done, it's like they've never done it before. Prep, prep those cars. Have a load of those cars prepped. Yeah, yeah. Just some blackout blinds. <laughs> Travel blackout blinds. It's just mad. It, it, it's like, oh, God, what a, there's, there's one rule. I have to remember one rule. What is it? What is it? Uh, don't feed me after midnight? No, no, no. That's not, uh, uh, never wear slippers on a Tuesday. No, no, no. Oh, God, why am I on fire? <laughs> so uh, Caleb agrees to take May home, but only if she kisses him first, and then she, he stuffs the car keys down his shirt. Which I think is... The there to make you feel less sorry for him because that's a horrible creepy sexual assaulty thing to do so that when he turns into a vampire in a minute you're like yeah good good does (laughs) he does he deserve what's coming to him he does a little bit yeah (laughs) Yeah. he does because that's not cool Mm. to give her a lift or don't give her a lift but you don't get to extort sexual favors out of someone it's exacerbated by the fact that she is absolutely terrified at that point it's not like she's like oh do you know what i really need to get home she's like i can't get home (laughs) like she's almost in tears and he's like nan kiss me girly (laughs) yeah um, and so he gets the bite he wanted, um, and uh, then it all goes wrong. Uh, he's stumbling home, and then he gets picked up by an RV. Question. This seems like a coincidence. The vampires on the RV, apart from May, don't seem to realise who he is. He's like just taken on board that RV because they're looking for a quick meal. Because once he's on the RV, oh. they're about to eat him, and then May explains to them that she's turned him. I didn't see that, but I agree with you now. You said it. I thought she told them to go and get him. No, I think no, no, no. They, they just happened upon him. Okay. So Severin, played by Bill Paxton, says, "Howdy, I'm going to separate your head from your shoulders," which is ominous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Paxton he's playing Severin um, he came up with the colloquial phrases from our western novels he did a lot of ad-libbing a lot of this is Bill Paxton and it's wonderful um, he's great in everything isn't he I mean this is brilliant yeah Bigelow said that he showed up acting like a loose cannon and she just let him go that, mm-hmm. that was who he was supposed to be uh, we also meet uh, Jesse played by Lance Henriksen and Diamondback played by Jeanette Goldstein Let's have some Lance Henriksen stories. So he made he, he made long fingernails that looked like bones and glued them on, so like thick nail extensions, and broke them with pliers. Whoa. So he's 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 wearing them on set the whole time. Um, and then he lost weight, so you could see the bones in his chest. Mm. Um, he dipped his ponytail in tar. I mean, I feel like you can dye it. <laughs> so I have a reason for that. So what he did was, because he wanted to base his character as an ex-Confederate soldier uh, in the Navy specifically, it turned out that actual seamen in the Confederate Army would put tar in their hair to make it jet black. And so that's why, authentically, yeah. he put tar in his hair to make mm. it jet black. It's like Robert Eggers not using any tools from modern days to build a house. <laughs> hey, he listened. Oh, Chris. Yeah. Yep. That's lovely. And, and you guys going, yeah, and they, I really added to the authenticity. I'm thinking, what? Mm. What a load of bollocks. <laughs> oh, my God, are you joking? It did. <laughs> but it worked on me, so maybe you were right. But I was just like... Subconsciously, I was like, the Come authenticity on, got to you. Let me use a drill, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've been done in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is two Hum- years hammer now. and nails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, yeah, he went on a road trip in character and basically harassed people. Yep. Um, 
he, he tells another story where he went to Tombstone in character and, hara- uh, uh, and people harassed him and he looked at them like they were a meal and they, he was pushing their buttons. Yeah. And it's- He says he terrified a waitress in Denny's and this hitchhiker story. He picked up this hitchhiker, uh, this hitchhiker he was hitchhiking and then... Um, a guy picks him up, and then the guy, at the minute they reach like a civilized area, goes, "Can you actually get out of the car?" And Lance Henriksen doesn't tell him anything. He just says, "I gave him eighty dollars to say that I was for being a good sport." He sewed a Confederate no. flag into his coat because mm. his backstory was that he was a Confederate soldier who got turned um, during a fight on the Delaware um, where his ship got hit and vampires came through the marshes and a harpy took pity on him and turned him. That was what he wrote for himself. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein saw her character as a Depression-era woman. Um, that's when she got turned. She was put upon. She was poor. Uh, and so she sort of bleached her hair to glam herself up, glamour up. Uh, glam herself up but then the roots are coming through because she's sort of poisoned and um, <clears throat> that's the idea with her look and then Homer mm. played by Joshua Miller um, the, this man trapped in a kid's body uh, the, 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 the thinking is and I like this about the film you sort of have to fit in the blanks of, as to when these people got turned and who turned them but the idea is that he was turned in the 1950s um, see I mean I, I disagree when you say you kind of have to fill in the blanks I'm like I think the backstories of these people are one of the most fascinating thing about vampires and where they came from and the idea of the things these people have seen and how old they are and to sort of not actually have fun with that and tell those stories and elaborate on that I think makes this gang this entire gang just a bit of a blank canvas well, whereas I would love a bit more detail well Jesse tells his story Jesse does but then it's notice by it's a mission that no one mm. else gets to it's such a shame because that line comes much later on he's like I fought for the south put it that way or whatever he says it's only the end and you're like oh amazing tell the story and wouldn't it be cool if we knew everybody else's story it, it, I agree it's a shame I tell you what they reminded me of. Do you remember when we did Doctor Sleep last Halloween? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in my notes. It's so crazy. What is it with vampires and motorhomes? But it's like Rose the Hat's gang. Yeah, And this gang, I'm like, I mean, I haven't read Doctor Sleep, so I don't know whether it's the movie Doctor Sleep or Stephen King that has clearly sort of borrowed from this. But it feels, especially with the idea of children, um, children's bodies with old men inside. Yeah, well, uh, I feel like this film has borrowed from Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. As well, which was yeah. published before, a long time before this, but the, but the um, Kristen Dunst uh, character is is like Homer. Yeah, yeah. In in the way that the she's... trouble with not the trouble with Interview with the Vampire and even with Doctor Sleep, which I wasn't like massively in love with. Mm. When you they kill a kid, yeah, I know we did that. Oh man, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That's last Halloween. This is oh. this Halloween. Yeah. Um, there is. It's only for my anxiety. Like when Caleb is turned or turning or whatever. There's no, apart from the fact that Bill Paxton wants to separate his head from his shoulders. There's nothing else that's welcoming about that gang at all it looks awful being a vampire and an interview with a vampire when it's going well it's really lavish and they have luxury houses and they live in Paris and everything's brilliant Mm. and in Doctor Sleep they do seem like a fun gang kind of to sort of hang out with whereas with this you just feel anxious for Kayla because there's nothing good either way and I I just wanted to settle with the characters a bit and think wouldn't this be fun to be Uh, a vampire and also you want that point where Caleb suddenly wants to be a vampire and he's attracted to it in some way and the only glimmer of that we get which happens way too late in the movie is when he saves them during the shootout and they're all like welcome to the gang Mm -hmm. you're one of us now and then like that bang he's out again in like two seconds and the shootout is all his fault because they don't seem to be that bothered about I just wanted for me like just the empathy of like oh yeah I joined that gang but there was nothing there you want him to have a debate about whether he wants to be a vampire or not 
So Caleb sort of threatens their family structure, which is where some of the conflict comes from. May's got to decide if he's a potential victim or a potential partner. That's her conflict. And they sort of neatly set out the premise here. He's got a week to prove he's one of them. Um, they stop in a small town and Caleb is uh, a bit freaked out, as we say, understandably, meeting these people. So he stumbles off to a bus station. Who's there? Our favourite cop, our favourite movie cop, Troy Evans. Mm. He played yeah. the sheriff in Lawnmower Man oh, and yeah. the Frighteners, <laughs> and here he is again. Best movie cop ever. Do we like the fact that the cinema's playing aliens in the background? Yes. Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> Do you the, not? These people are in Aliens. Yes, that's why okay. I liked it. Yeah, it's, right. that's why it's brilliant. And it's also the best Alien movie, so why not <laughs> reference it? Uh, as we said, he can't afford a bus ticket, so buys a chocolate bar instead. That makes him sick, and he ends up back with May. He does good fucked up. Uh, yeah. Because Adrian Pazdar, like, the mucus around his mouth. Yeah, and yeah. He look, like He makes me... You know when someone does fucked up in a movie and it makes you feel unwell watching mm-hmm. them? He does that. And she feeds him her blood, thereby replenishing him, and they run off into the night and we're going to take a quick break there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com weight loss that's plushcare.com weight loss plushcare.com weight loss burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. (laughs) 
And we're back. So the knight has its price, and Caleb has got to learn to kill. That is the price he's paying. And we see them doing just that. Homer pretends to be a kid to oh, kill. Oh, awful. Mm. Yeah, awful. he's fallen off his bike. It's a he brilliant moment. Good. Yeah. But it's so hard to watch that sweet old man being like, oh, a child. Because we're watching the gang operating well at what they do. Yes. It's one of the rare moments where it's like, oh, I see how this works. I see that you've honed these skills over yeah. hundreds of years to do this. Not like, fucking hell, it's dawn again, mate. <laughs> uh, Severin hitchhikes and invites the, the ladies who pick him up for a drink. Yeah. That's a weird moment, isn't it? Like They're like, hooray, a hitchhiker. <laughs> but in real life, you'd be like, it doesn't matter that Vicky, you... Vicky, <laughs> if, if, if Bill Paxson was hitchhiking yeah, and you decided to pick like up, you'd be like, hooray. Yeah. But doesn't he say, I want to get you ladies a drink or something? They're like, brilliant. <laughs> Just, it's a strange <laughs> moment. What part of that are you not on board with? <laughs> you're getting a drink and you're not paying for it. Yeah, obviously. But I was going somewhere with my girlfriend originally. Uh, and Jesse and Diamondback, they pick up a hitchhiker who's trying to rob them, which is a big mistake. Ugh. I mean, Jesse says, you're going to look pretty funny with your face ripped off. Mm. Show me that. 100%. That's, that's yeah. what I'd like I to was see. Like, oh, here we go. Actual <laughs> people worse than you. Yeah. And, and we're not going to see them punished for wanting to, like, they're rapists. He yeah, wants yeah. to actually rape Diamondback. Yeah. And we don't see him get his face ripped off. I'm sure it's and a And also it's left thing, hanging there on. because he says, you're going to look terrible with your face ripped off. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to sit. Oh, I'm not going to sit with you. All right, fine. So then you're in the truck with May and Caleb. You're like, she's going to rip his face off because it's like a way that they do things. Yeah. Because it's the second mention of like faces and heads and whatever. Instead, we get that funny scene in the truck where, like, I mean, it just goes on a bit long where he's like, I'm going to, no, I'm not. I'm going to bite idiot. you. No, I'm not. I can't do it. Yeah, I can. <laughs> so May ends up doing it for him and he sucks on her a bit more. So I've got a question. It's quite weird this moment because he sucks on her and she's like, if you drink too much, you're going to kill me. I've got a joke for you there. Yep. Don't bite the ham that feeds you. Very good. Thank you. Very good. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But he's, he just grins at her when she says, if you drink too much of my blood, you're going to kill me. Yeah. And it's just this weird thing, like, he won't kill, but he will happily kill her to feed his desire for blood. Now, yeah. is that simply because she turned him so she deserves it? I th- it's, just, it's literal bloodlust mm. at mm. that moment. And also, he doesn't want to kill anyone, but coming up soon, he will shoot an innocent police officer. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the sort of, you know, when a movie ends and you're like, yeah, but I think they might still want him for the cop murders. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. So we've now got an iconic shot of the gang coming over the hill, backlit by the moon or, or a train or something, and they head into a bar. And, you know, they've almost been sympathetic up until this point because most of the victims were horrible. I guess Homer's wasn't, but the others yeah, yeah. the others seem like assholes. And, and they're feeding off the slow and the mean and the stupid. And they were, it, they, it felt like they were hunting for food. And the difference now is it feels like they're hunting for sport. They're playing with their food and it's, it's got a real cruel edge. It's yeah. savage. It's brilliant. It is. Because once you, re- you realise at the same time as the patrons of the bar and the bar owner that everybody's going to die. And you don't know that at first. You think they're just looking for a mark and the whatever. And then everybody realises at the same time that no one is leaving. It's yeah. really, really good. You've got, you've got a couple of minutes uh, uh, in the bar, which is the same as the duration of your life, is what, is yeah. what Jesse tells yeah. them. It's great as well because 
you realise that we're not dealing with... I mean, obviously, by this point, no one's going, God, what a romantic lifestyle a vampire has. But this moment is where you go, they're not even doing the sinking the fangs into the neck. It's like, it's a broken glass, I think. They open yeah. the waitress up with and yeah. drink her blood, and it's just so brutal and, and the boot spares, ugly. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, and, and, uh, and, and Severin getting upset because his food is hairy, hasn't shaved. Yeah. And you, you don't think about those things, really. It's yeah. like, oh... Who'd have a beard? Um, so, uh, um, Bill Paxton said that he had a, mi- a migraine that day. And so uh, they gave him a shot of B17. I don't know what that is. And he said, that turned me a little bit potty, which is why you've got this performance from me. Okay. He said, I felt super high. And as I said, he was the finger licking good is something that he ad-libbed here. I love the way he says, he says that. Um, and there's just a lot going on. Fever comes on and there's this little sexy dance <laughs> yeah. sequence. They're all trying to help Caleb with his first kill. He is annoying. Oh, my God. He's such a fucking downer. Like, I, I, I don't like the fact that he's like, oh, I'm jealous of you dancing with that man. And that's why I'm going to get cross. It's like, just get into it mm. or go home. It's weird where you are at that point where you're like, I actually just killed just someone. Him. Yeah. Just, uh, Caleb, stop fucking around, mate. Yeah. Bite someone. Yeah. Uh, so she gets this man for him, played by James Legros, and <laughs> yeah. um, he lets him go. He jumps Again. out the window. Oh my god! Just Caleb, grow up. <laughs> and he runs. Caleb follows him, but he does let him go, and they yeah. set fire to the bar uh, because they forgot that the sun's about to rise. Yeah. I mean, again, there's no, no extenuating circumstances. It's just bad planning on yeah. their part. It's like we just forgot, and everything just takes ages. Mm-hmm. Like they start at night yeah. at, when it's sunset, so they must have a good at least six hours but everything just takes forever. <laughs> so they rent a bungalow and sleep in the bungalow and the police wait them during the night because James Legros went and got the police. And we get this very super stylish shootout as these bullet holes light the bungalow and burn them up. Mm. Um, and Caleb saves the day, as Alex said, by running off under a blanket and burning up and uh, getting riddled with bullets as he makes it to the van and drives into the bungalow and saves them while looking like a rasher of sizzling bacon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all very Sam Peckinpah here. It's making me think of the Wild Bunch. Um, they kept name-checking Bonnie and Clyde as, as a film that they were sort of looking to visually in some of these scenes and I mean they're all super happy that he's redeemed himself but it is his fault yes. that that man got and away and mentioned. went to the police <laughs> yeah it's, I mean I forgave it that because it's just a different beat for a moment it's not yeah. like Caleb not being able to kill and them going kill and him not going no I don't want to and now it's like at least we're sort of dealing with a different dynamic for all of like four minutes yeah so he did good um, he's bought himself some time uh, we learned about Jesse fighting for the South. They're playing some Russian roulette. I like this sort of this nihilism that sort of is running through it about these people who just don't care anymore. And I think as we get to the end, you do question if they even want to be alive anymore. Mm. Um, but we learn that Homer is the person who turned May. Mm. I think he liked May. And so it, this, we now realise why he's got such a problem with Caleb because he wants, he's in love with May, amazing in love with Caleb. And so he's nicked Homer's bird, yeah. effectively. Um, and Homer approaches this little girl at a vending machine. Another question. <laughs> yes. Why is he so into this little girl? Because Homer is an old man in a child's body, and yet he acts like a child who's attracted to another child. And I know, it, look, for whatever reason, he wants to then watch TV. He wants to, he doesn't just want her for what he wants to do childish things with her, like sit with her and watch TV. It's well, he strange. doesn't want her stressed out yet. I, I, I think this is just a reaction to May and Caleb. He wants to do something to get May's attention and to show them that he can have his own companion <laughs> right. if he wants. Right. And like so in an interview with the vampire. She yeah. wants a toy. Does she wants a 
She has a doll, doesn't yeah, she? Okay. She's a... So she sort. I feel like he's kind of hanging this over them that oh, I might turn this girl, and obviously it makes it even more complicated because the girl is Caleb's sister. Mm. So he's getting this big decision coming to him. Um, so uh, yeah, and then Caleb's dad shows up. Um, who's been looking for him. He shoots Jesse and Jesse spits out the bullets. Great. Good. <laughs> and Good returns moment. them. Uh, excellent. Uh, Sarah opens the door and they get away. Yeah. Another weird moment. Again, Dawn seems to... Very bright. It just, But it <laughs> happens very quickly because Caleb... Not Caleb. Homer, when he approaches Sarah at the drinks machine, he's like, you're up late. Why are you up so late? She's like, I'm allowed to be up late. And then they go into the room and then the dad turns up. So this is all very continuous. There is no moment here where it's like there's been a long passage of time. Yeah. And it's late at night, and then they, Sarah opens the door a moment later, and it's dawn. Sarah was, up, Sarah, Sarah was up very late at night. <laughs> um, so um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a choice the film makes, isn't it, that we do, they don't know what vampires are. The dad doesn't know. He doesn't know what's wrong with oh, him. The okay, dad doesn't right. know. And yeah. so this is a world where we don't know vampires, mm. uh, which is interesting. And so he decides to give him a blood transfusion. He's yeah. a vet. I guess he's filling his son with horse's blood. I wanted to ask, where is all the blood from? Yeah, because I doesn't he put... He taps himself. He taps himself, and I'm like, well, that's... I, I don't know much about blood but transfusions. But you will die if you give that, him all you, your blood. Yeah, you need all your blood in him. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it works. So he's back to normal with his family. They're all playing happy families. And then May appears. And she ain't happy when she sees how happy he is. Yeah. Also, yeah. Caleb, what an idiot. So May comes up and uh, he lets her hug him. Yeah, I know. It's like, have you not learned <laughs> anything? Don't let May hug you. Remember what happened last time? <laughs> idiot. And the baddies get Sarah. So uh, Caleb goes riding after them on his horse and there's lightning and, and backlighting. She and know, it's all very moody. You know the story about that. Basically, they were like, shit, there's a thunderstorm. Get filming quick. Because they didn't have the budget to do anything like that. So it was pure happenstance. Wow. It was a thunderstorm. Because there's no rain. You've mm. got the lightning and it doesn't seem to be raining, which looks be. really awesome. It must have just been In one of distance. those times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we've Severin catches him, and we've got this standoff in the street. This is where it, this is where it feels like a western. This is also where you ask the question, which you'd ever want to be asking when you're watching a movie: is what the fuck was your plan, Caleb? It looks fucking cool, you riding into town on a horse, yeah. but you know now that they cannot be killed. They literally cannot be killed. So what's your plan? Yeah. I honestly think at this point you need. As the audience to go, yeah, but we know that Caleb has this thing and I can't wait to see him use that thing that we know and the mm. vampires who don't know. Or you want to be surprised in the middle of this where Caleb suddenly does something you're like, oh, clever boy, Caleb. Didn't see that. None of that. He just just goes for it. Really. Caleb's, Caleb's <laughs> thing. Just gives it a fucking Caleb's shot. thing is that he knows what time dawn is. That's true. <laughs> that's, all he, that's all he's working with here. <laughs> Caleb has a watch. <laughs> so he runs to a tanker. Severin shoots the driver. Caleb drives a truck into Severin. It's very Terminator. It is. Yeah. I've written that down. <laughs> Severin appears bloodied on the front of the truck. Um, is that Terminator or Terminator 2? I was trying to remember. Yeah. And I can't. I think it feels it's like two. It's two. Yeah, yeah, it's two. So yeah. it's Bigelow did it first. Um, it starts ripping the truck's engine apart. The tanker explodes with Severin on the front. And then uh, Caleb gets his spurs. Um, yeah. And then it's all about uh, getting Sarah back now. Sarah sort of escapes from Homer. Diamond back throws a knife and it hits Jesse in the mouth, which he pulls out. Uh, Jesse shoots May. Uh, but, but Jesse shoots, but May puts him off. That's it to save Caleb. Caleb mm. runs off with Sarah. They chase in the car. They grab Sarah, but the sun is rising. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> It always oh, rises. Of course it is. Every day. And at, at this point, at this point, why don't why don't Jesse and Diamondback go, 
Do you know what? We'll probably go recoup. Uh, <laughs> wait for it to be fucking night again, because you know what? We're at our best at night. Oh, get out of the kit! The kit that we've got in the kit that we've got in the car for this yeah. exact thing. Just or, random, just sticking foil on the window. Or piss off for seventy years until Caleb's really old, <laughs> then come back as an old and fuck up old Caleb. Yeah. Because I feel this nihilism that's running through it is I feel like they've just decided, they decide that it's their time yeah. during, during this sequence. So, they, you know, the, May escapes out the back of the car. Um, Homer follows. What's Homer's deal? Why is he, why, has he got a death wish? Like, he gets out of the car in sunlight to mm. chase down Sarah. He seemed, I think he said he's just become obsessed with her, right. I think. Okay. But, um, and so Homer's burning up, May's burning up, Homer explodes. <laughs> awesome um and then jesse and diamondback sort of start roasting as they drive towards them and explode before they make it and it felt quite thelma and louise this moment when they're in the car together just deciding to go out in a blaze of glory Mm. um and that's it uh, May gets a transfusion and she's back. Which is great for a serial killer. It's such a happy ending. She's she deserves it. a mass murderer, but yeah, go on. Have she, a second shot at life. She had to eat, so she didn't choose to be turned. Mm. She didn't know she could be fixed. Okay. She quite enjoys it, though, doesn't she? She's like, the night! Mm. She's not sad about her life. Listen to the children of the night. <laughs> but we were near dark. Caleb started in the light, he went to the dark, and now he's back in the light. And that's the end. So, um, The Lost Boys destroyed this film at the box office. Uh, the Lost Boys was a studio picture, had a big marketing machine. Uh, Near Dark was pretty badly marketed. I think one of them, I think maybe Wasn't Lance Henriksen called it a whisper compared to The Lost Boys Scream. It was It was the last movie by uh, the De Laurentiis studio. And so I think basically they, they were going bankrupt and so had no money to publicise it. So there was literally no marketing so for it, this. So it made less than $5 million uh, mm. that it cost to make. But it did eventually find an audience it still has an audience it's sort of considered a cult classic now and on the documentary i watched which is quite a few years old now they were talking about a sequel um lance henrickson wanted to do a prequel set in the civil war days about how the group formed and who made them that's a brilliant idea yeah i mean Uh, when you just said about oh he's on the ship and then through the marshes it's like imagine the vampires in their uniform through the marshes that's so brilliant well good wait a Vampire movie. That must have been done, wasn't it? I don't know. All write it down. (laughs) Cut that bit, Nicky. That's great. That's one of ours. It's a a script. Yep, brilliant. Um, I'm the one that said it. Um, (laughs) I think Catherine Bigelow's the one that said it, and, and she ended by saying, someday, perhaps, but that was about 15 years ago now and obviously we've lost Mr Paxton everyone's old and Bigelow's doing other things so that is Near Dark in a nutshell I've only got one uh, little caveat to add which was the alternate ending or a little bit of a different ending that was going to happen in the movie which was Catherine Bigelow considered uh, having Sarah at the end when May and Caleb walk into the sunlight and you realise May is all good now Sarah starts burning up in the sunlight, and okay. you realise that actually she also doesn't have a watch by Homer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Homer had infected her, uh, but they decided not to do that mm. uh, because they everyone knew at this point that blood transfusions Work. can cure you. Yeah. So I'd be like, just get back inside, love. We'll, we'll sort you out in a minute. End. <laughs> so let's do the bits. Uh, Vicky, yeah. favourite scene? Uh, the whole bar scene, especially this is a tiny moment, but I love stuff like this. When they cut the barmaid's throat and she falls forward and they put the blood in the glass, no one raises their voice it's not like her boss goes oh Jessica mm. or whatever she's so disposable that he's like oh fuck I lost another one I think that's brilliant like she's so she means nothing to anyone I didn't think she was disposed but I just thought they were all paralysed with shock. fear yeah. like James Legro doesn't move yeah. he's just standing but there but you would expect minutes. someone to be like oh my god 
good. You killed yeah. the barmaid. But it's just that stunned I silence. Think, I think I'd be quiet. I think I'd be quiet. I think it's actually, I think what you're tapping into there is the realism of yeah, that yeah. scene. I think actually people would just be in, a, just start a, in a state of absolute shock. That yeah. no one. I think it's a movie thing where people go, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. And, and to be honest, when I watched that scene the first time, whenever I was 15 or whatever, I felt like I held my breath for the duration yeah. of that scene. Uh, that's my one as well. He's so confidently shot. And it was interesting hearing Bigelow talk about it. She said, I'm interested in high impact cinema that catches your attention. And she definitely does that in that sequence. Mm. Alex? Uh, the bar scene. Fact. Yeah. Easy. Uh, most valuable whatever. Uh, so, uh, Bill Paxton gets an honourable mention mm. uh, because he's a freaking legend and the best thing about this movie as far as the cast goes. Uh, but it's Catherine Bigelow for me. So, I do think this film is lacking in many many ways but one in which it's not lacking is her direction it is packed with so many brilliant scenes that i just burned onto my retina i think the moment that we talked about where caleb is running to the uh, the pickup and the blankets on fire that shot in slow motion in it because it's real stunt work as well like it's just i ever i just i keep when i close my eyes and think about this movie that is the scene that keeps replaying and i think that's just incredible um I also like Severin on the front of the truck. I think that's brilliant. And the ending, the Thumb and Louise ending that you called it, Jesse and uh, Diamond back burning up in the car. Just the, not the, the logic around it, but the way it's shot is brilliant. So Catherine Bigelow, 100%. Well, I'll jump in now because I think it's one of the coolest looking films ever. So I'm picking uh, director of photography, Adam Greenberg. Um, and it was interesting hearing him talk about it. He said, I don't care about the source of light. I only care about position and what hits the audience from the screen. So a lot of this light is false. It's made up. It's a, as I said, I wasn't sure if it was backlighting the vampires. Was it the, the moon or a train? You don't know, but it doesn't matter. Mm. It looks cool. And that's what he's <laughs> yeah. all about. And he's gone on to be DP on so, so many amazing films. And as I said, he did The Terminator before this. So he's a big reason why this looks so cool. Vicky. It's um, Jenny Wright. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. As may because... When you first meet her, the minute you meet her, you're like, she's a fucking vampire. Quite obviously, she's a vampire. And I think she does a good job as, like, otherworldly, immortal and old. And it's an annoying... On paper, it's an annoying shit line, like, you've never met a girl like me. But the way she says it, you're like, yeah, I see that. I totally see that. You could be 1,000 years old, for all I know. I wish I knew how old she really was, but I think she... um, She's not old. No, maybe she's like recently 80s, turned. She, she's the most recently vampire. turned, yeah. But I just, I just, I know when you said like manic pixie dream girl kind of thing, it's like you know how much I dis- dislike that sort of thing. And I think she makes me like believe in her. I thought I thought she was really good. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. All right, what would you change, Alex? Uh, I would change. Give me a reason why these vampires live the way they do. I'd be happy if you just went. This is why they are the way they are. Why they run the risk of burning up every dawn. Give me some backstory to who they are, what their origins are. For me, this movie, because you're spending time with this gang of people and they're just sort of, I, I, know, I know nothing about them. I'm not invested or even interested in who they are because they're just enigmas and I just would love to know about them. And I think that would make it a much better film. I know I mentioned Rose the Hat earlier in her gang, but you do understand a little bit more about them. And I'm happy to spend time with a group of ne'er-do-wells if I just know them a little bit more. That's point one. The second point, and you weren't here, Chris, but we talked about this on the Black Death episode recently. I just I 
cannot deal with such a wet blanket of a protagonist. And it was Eddie Redmayne <laughs> in Black Death, and it's Caleb here. <clears throat> I, ju- I find him so irritating. The fact he's like, oh, no, no, can I? It's just, he flops about the screen, and I'm just not invested in him <laughs> at all. So big problems there for me. Those are my changes. So... Do you think that's partly down to the actor? I know the Caleb character, I've said he needs to be less creepy. And as you say, I think wet's a good description. But George Clooney's four years older than him. Would this be a better movie if George Clooney was playing Caleb? No. They look quite similar. Yeah. They've got similar faces. It's just his, in- he just never does anything. He mm. never, he saw the film can go, oh, he's, it's fine for him to go back to normal. But he needs to do something. I don't know, he does kill a police officer, or he tries to. I don't know. I just found him annoying. I agree. It doesn't matter who plays him. No, fair enough. Uh, uh, Vicky? This is such an obvious change. I can't believe they didn't do it. But with vampirism is a metaphor for sex and sexual activity and the potential for the transmission of disease that sex is connected to, obviously the transfusion doesn't work. Like, fucking obviously. They think it has worked and then there's a scene where it hasn't. You can't go back. You cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube kind of thing. There is no... Uh, there's no going back. It just won't. It, you think it's worked. End scene. It's just one thing that hasn't worked. I don't know. He bites a cow. I don't know so what it is. So what's your ending then? <clears throat> that he um, just carry. That he, he's sort of looked after by his family, but as a vampire, or I don't know. I just I would end the whole. That's film. a really big, big change. Yeah, you realise that because he's then he can't go back to human. He can't go back. Yeah, he's got to be ostracised. I think he would just walk alone, walk alone forever, or walk off into the sunrise not sunset, to kill himself or whatever. You think it's worked and it's going really well and there's this one thing that they've set up earlier and that's the the motif. It does feel like a very, a a, a big swing uh, to have a vampirism that can be switched back and forth willy-nilly. Because, yeah. you know, you could just try it out for a bit. Do you know what? I fancy trying out and hearing the night speak to me. So <laughs> could you give me a bite and I'll just get a transfusion in the morning? Yeah, you can't go back. I mean, I said mine. Oh, and the face thing as well. If you're going to say, I'm going to rip your face off, yeah. you've got to see it. Oh, you've got to mean, what? What? Yeah. what are they doing? Big thing. Rip that guy's face off, he's a dick. Sure, but I do feel like they set up those kills that don't happen, but then straight away give you the bar scene. Mm-hmm. So they do give you something. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I went on about it too much, but yeah, I, I mean, I said give them watches, give them tents. <laughs> Maybe they could get in tents or like a Sexy. sleeping bag that covers your head. <laughs> Just anything to, to 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 get like those those hat yeah. umbrellas. Yeah. Just you know, figure this shit out. You've had two hundred years, mate. I know they don't even have this. The kit that drives you mad. Like run the steps. We've been alive for such a long time. Everyone, what do we do when the sun comes up? Everyone. Yeah, it's like when they burn the RV, when they're like, we've got to burn the RV because people recognise it. It's like get another RV. Don't sort of get in the a back of a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, that is. Near dark, done. Uh, so, uh, after various disputes uh, about last week's quiz, um, I've decided uh, to uh, write off uh, that win. So, Chris, I know you're keeping score of the wins mm-hmm. for the end of year. What made you change your mind? Uh, well, Have I you just, listened to it and it's really obvious? I haven't listened to it, but someone on Twitter said it's really obvious. <laughs> oh, my God, is it really? But we're writing it off because on, on the but day... But don't forget, I did another, I added another question on because I felt <laughs> oh, bad. Oh, I still won. Oh yeah, yeah. forget well, it. You yep. still want keep it? Yeah, yeah, but the point is, which no, I made fine. to you, just a second when you were out of the room, <laughs> the the mental the 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 kick he gets from getting in there first mm. propels him through the rest of the quiz, and that's why I get. 
battered <laughs> every single fucking week. Because every when he... time after the show, battered because <laughs> of the quiz. When he gets the first one right, it gives him that mental energy that that that, uh, that he needs to pound me to dust. And so, therefore, I think the quiz is null and void because if I'd have got in there first, which I P.S. I did, it could I, have been a very I, different. I story. really hope you get the first one right this week. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Let's do a quiz. Why are you? Let's do a quiz. Don't do that. What? I'm just looking at you because I'm excited about, you know, the experience of quizzing next to you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> last week it was about shopping centres. Yeah. Um, which you know, Vicky. Um, this week we're doing strip clubs. Yes. Oh my God. Are we really? <laughs> so on Thursday we're visiting the Titty Twister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are six... Uh, names of strip clubs. Have I made them up, or is this a real strip club? So, are you doing a question individually? No, each, or you just say it? true or false, okay. both of you. Okay. Right. Uh, the first uh, strip club is tit for tat. <laughs> true. False. It's false. I made that up. Are you not allowed to say tit in real life? I got it wrong. And it's first question. <laughs> let's see whether let's see whether your theory uh, holds uh, holds water. The landing strip. True. False. It's true, it's in Austin, Texas. Mm. Gross. <laughs> oh, really? When were you recently? <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> um, leave it to beavers. True. True. It's true. Great name. <laughs> it's weird that Alex is getting all these right. Uh, bonkers. False. True. It is False. Stop. Are you are you getting it wrong on purpose because it's strip clubs? No. Are you making a point? No. These are offensive names, so fuck them. Uh, no. Fuzzy turf. <laughs> oh, my God. That is horrible. So uh, I, I don't know. I just don't know, do I? I mean, I'm going to say true. Fuck uh, it. I'm going to say false. It's false. I made it up. <laughs> did you? <laughs> of course I did. Fuzzy turf. Think about it. Mm, that sounds sexy. I'll definitely go in I there. I don't know. Is it any, well, how is it worse than landing strip? Turf. Fuzzy turf. turf. Soil, basically. <laughs> um, I think grass. Soil. Soiled. No. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Alex, you are five for five here, <laughs> which is very worrying. Yep. Uh, final one. Uh, booby bungalow. <laughs> True. What are you saying, Vicky? Fuck it, true. It's true. Yay! It's in it's in Alabama. Have I is that the first time I've got six. everything? Six for six. <laughs> um I'll do the tiebreaker because it's quite a nice question um and it's not about it. Um what uh, referring to Thursday's film, what classic sitcom did both George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino appear in Friends. before they were fa- before they were famous? Oh. Cheers. It's, it's an 80s sitcom. Beloved one of the few sitcoms where all four of the characters are the funniest. And uh, Tarantino famously was an Elvis impersonator on his episode. If you haven't seen that, you must see it. Wow. Oh, not Seinfeld. No. 80s sitcom. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on 80s sitcoms in general right yeah, now. Yeah, me too. It's about some ladies. Oh, the Golden Girls. Correct. Clippy oh. <laughs> and Tarantino are oh, both really? on the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was nice. <laughs> All right. Brilliant stuff. That is the quiz done. And Stop it, Alex. Oh, just move on. I was about to move on. <laughs> I was leering. <laughs> Literally, I was literally going, and let's move on. That's no, what I was going to say. No, I wasn't going to go, Wah. I know it's not about me, but it's just the it's the harshest test of my character mm-hmm. to take this every week. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't like it, do you? How would, 
right. The best way I can describe it is imagine, just imagine if it was just the other way around. <laughs> it would drive you insane. It's just with us every week. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, let's look ahead to next week. Uh, it's happened so fast. It seems a shame because you were away, Chris, and then we did it remotely. I hate the fact yeah. next week is our last clash of no, week. Yeah, not. but we're half extending it, aren't we? Because yeah. the week after, it's sort of clash it's kind of, it's kind of horary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beca- because that first one will drop on Halloween, so we're okay. doing something. All right, all right. Well, it is Chris's choices, so I imagine you have got a kick-ass clue, because I think your last clue, V, and mine last week, both good clues. So, Chris, what have you got? I've got a kick-ass clue for the pub. So this is the weaker of the clues. Okay. Um, but I've just got to get it across what these films are. It's tricky. So I'm saying next week it's Clash of the Holiday Titles. That's lovely. Yeah, That'll right. do. It's yeah. nice. And the funny one's in the pub. Fine. Okay. Happy with that. Right, that is it for this episode. Join us on Thursday when we're going to be trying to survive from dusk till dawn. And don't forget you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And please do spread the word of Clash of the Titles, especially if there's horror fans out there while we do Clash of Ween. It's our favourite time of year. So join us on the pod. Speak to you Thursday. Bye-bye for now. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.